awesome, man. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Good morning, Vietnam! I love the smell of red pump in the morning. You're gonna need a bigger boat. I feel the need. The need for speed. I wish I knew how to quit you. Love means never having to say you're sorry. You do! You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Happy Monday, moviegoers. Welcome to a new episode. Welcome to episode 246, and welcome to the Cinnamon Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Juan, and I'm joined by the cast, the crew, the hitmen, Zach. Family. Oh, sorry, wrong movie. Sorry. Go ahead. Ed. Man, how's it going? It's going. You're you're a little you're a little scratchy, sketchy right now, um, but we're uh we're we're doing pretty good, guys. Uh, everybody, uh, have a good weekend, Zach. How was your weekend? It was pretty good. Tiresome, tiresome. I had to go into work for a little bit, but other than that, doing pretty good. When like on Saturday? Yeah, we had to. We're we're. Long story short, we're getting like a new system in our building, so we had to go come in and like convert patients over. So from like. Seven to one, so not too bad. Sounds like somebody else's problem. Well, you would think. Yeah. Man. Um, Ed, what about you? Did you have a good weekend? I had a great weekend. Still breaking up there a little bit, buddy. Um, the weekend the weekend was pretty good. I think, you know, the, 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 the sad thing is about the weekends is that it always goes by too fast. Yeah. Totally agree with you, man. Totally agree with you, man. Um... But yeah, today, guys, we're talking Sicario. We also have a brand new top five that we're going to be talking about. Um, but if you guys did not look back or check us out last week, last week we were able to talk about Passion of the Christ, um, 2004 Mel Gibson movie. Um, you know, I was thinking about this. I got a few emails um, about last week's episode. Uh, I'll, I'll read one off. Um one of them was, uh, hey, I've been listening to you guys for years, and I enjoy the reviews and the different movies that you guys review every week. Uh, but for some particular reason, there was no star rating given last week, and I enjoy every aspect of your show, especially the star rating. was wondering how come there was no star rating for The Passion of the Christ. Um, and then I also got some other uh, Instagram messages and some uh, some Facebook messages, too. Um you know, I look at it this way, like, it's just, I'm not comparing the two, so don't make fun of me, don't laugh at me. It's almost like the the uh, the exorcism, the exorcist. You know, it's two different people's reasoning and virtue of not wanting to give a star rating. <clears throat> um, but since we talk movies, we give star ratings. Um, if it'll please some of the listeners, my star rating for The Passion of the Christ, uh, I'm going to give it a six. Um, at the end of the day, we review films, we give star ratings to films, and this is complete non-biased when it comes to movies. Um, you know, we throw, we always throw politics and religion out the door, so th in this case, I feel like uh, we're going to do the same. It's a Mel Gibson-directed movie, for goodness sake, so I'm giving uh, Passion of the Christ a, a six. Um, I guess if I can throw my hat in that same thing, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say a nine. A little bit gory. Just a bit gory. Other than that, I, I thought it was great, man. Uh, Ed, you're still breaking up. You, you're still sketchy, a little scratchy. Um, but a look back last week, you guys can listen to the Passion of the Christ episode. However you listen to podcasts, um, it's all on the social media. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash the Cinnamon Movie Podcast. The Instagram is all one word, the Cinnamon Movie Podcast. You can catch us at the Twitter at Cinnamon405, or you can email us. Uh, it's the easiest and fastest way to get a hold of us, C-I-N-E-M-E-N-921 at gmail.com. There you can get a hold of us and send us your star ratings, send us your reviews, send us what you've recently watched. Um, we'll get back into some recent watches next week. But this week, guys, I was in... The uh, the I was in the thinker for a long time about a, a new top five, something fresh that we haven't talked about. So today we are talking about our top five movies that we're surprised we haven't done yet. 
right, guys. Brand new top five. Um, Zach, was there a movie that hit your mind the moment I sent out this top five list? Yes. And we're going to talk about it. It's my number one. So we're going to talk good. about it here in a little bit. Good. I'm surprised. I'm, I'm good. Uh, I, this just came to me and I'm like, man, there's a lot of movies we haven't talked about. And I wonder why. So uh, I thought it'd be, I thought it'd make a fun top five list. And, uh, so I think that's uh, that's going to be a fun list. Edward is having some technical difficulties, so he may skip out on top five, but he will do- join us for the the review for sure. Um, Craig did send in his list, though. Uh, his list is Tropic Thunder, A Walk to Remember, National Treasure, Four Brothers, and Battle Royale. It's a good list. Really good list. Uh, Zach, do you what's, so fun- what's so funny is it's like we have one, two, three, four, four lists. So this is going to be like the rest of the year, technically, if we start talking about some of these ideas. You, you um, know, I'm okay with that because it helps me decide what can be an episode and what can't be. Um, um, do you have any honorable mentions? Um, honorable mentions, I would just say – hold on one second. Uh I would say probably the Mummy, the Brendan Fraser Mummy, and maybe Forrest Gump. I think those are two that would be excellent conversations. I'm also yeah, and and remember guys, these are these are movies that we're surprised. Like, why haven't we talked about it yet? So if yeah. anybody wants to give a explanation, we can, uh, or we can just make it an episode one day. My honorable mentions are going to be Friday, the Ice Cube co- uh, comedy classic, The Birds. Which you're a huge mm. Hitchcock fan, so I'm kind of like, why, why hasn't that been why hasn't that been thrown out more? And then number one for me is like Civil War. We've talked oh, yeah. about so many Marvel movies in the past. We even had the Road to Endgame, and Civil War was never one that got brought up. And I think that would be a, a fun topic one day. So those are my honorable mentions. We also did a uh, top five plus five MCU films. Yep, long a while ago. A while ago. Um. And I mean, I mean, we have done Hitchcock. I'm I'm glad you brought up the birds. We've done Psycho, Rear Window, North by Northwest. But the birds would be, I think it's celebrating 60, 65 years this year. I think I'm almost certain. So there you go. Uh, I'll, I'll kick us off. Number five for me. I'm such a sucker for this song for emotional reasons, but the soundtrack was good. But also, it's just a fun movie to sit and sh- watch things get blown up by. And I love disaster movies. Number five for me is like, why have we not talked about Armageddon? Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's on Criterion. Oh it's, it's, it's a Criterion <laughs> film. It's, it's a fun movie. The soundtrack is fun. And I'm like, why? Why, why not? But that and wasn't. The, and the reason. Were we going to talk about that at one time? Like, we, it was on the list, but we pushed it or something. We were. I also got an email a few months ago, I think January, and they were comparing, like, the two, Deep Impact and Armageddon, how they both came out that year. And they were like, yeah. it, it would be a fun conversation for you guys to do those movies back-to-back weeks. Yeah, that would be fun. So, number five for me is Armageddon. What's number five for you? Uh, number five is one that we did have on the list. I think it was going to be a November movie. I think it was... Part of me thinks it was it wasn't last year. Maybe it would have been twenty twenty one or something like that. Uh, number five is the Wizard of Oz. Uh, I think that'd be a fun conversation. It's you know close to celebrating hundred years. I think it's maybe eighty nine ninety year ninety years old this year. Not for certain, um, but that'd be a really fun conversation because I know primarily our audience is not much of a old like golden age of Hollywood fans, but the Wizard of Oz is just one that you know. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what are the movies you've seen. I think that's just one that's just like stapled in everybody's mind. So I think that'd be a fun conversation to have one day. Uh, number four for me is going to be a Steven Spielberg classic. And I almost wanted to put, <laughs> on, I wanted to put on here, why not more Steven Spielberg movies? But E.T. E. I almost put E.T. And there was a part of me that's like, haven't we done E.T.? But no. Like why I don't think we have you know I'm, I, and I'm always like how come these movies haven't been pushed more but yeah, ET is another one of those movies that I'm surprised we just haven't talked about. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a very good so, one. Uh, number four for you, Zach. Uh, number four, uh, Craig had one of the authors or that type of film in his top five. I'm gonna go on the opposite coin. I'm gonna say The Notebook. 
Oh. I think we've we talked about we've talked about doing that for Valentine's Day the last two or three years. Two years, yeah. yeah. Um, definitely classic Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams. One that you know you make a list of like the top five tear jerkers, top five uh, girl picks. I'm sure it would somehow end up on both of those lists. Um, great movie, like I said, uh, would be a fun conversation just to see. Not so much to pick up on pick up pick it apart, but to see like what was the lasting effect of that movie because that that actually turns twenty years old next year. So, mm. um, number three for me is, and I still don't know like how this has skipped any of our plates is is phenomenal to me. But we have never ever ever talked about a Star Trek movie. Yeah, we never. talked. About, we thought we. You had the idea of doing the Chris Pine ones not yeah. too long ago. Yeah, I still but, want to. But I think I think we were going to do it because they were going to do the fourth one, but the fourth one got scrapped. So I think <laughs> your idea was like, eh, that can wait. Yeah, but you know, even even looking back at at the celebration of the legacy of the original ones, or you know, just we have never talked a Star Trek movie, and it just kind of it's a little baffling because we've talked almost every Star Wars movie. You know, we're going on with some of the Lord of the Rings movies. We're hitting these big sci-fi franchises, but have never knocked on the door of the Enterprise. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, I would I would definitely be down to doing the Chris Pine ones because those are those are actually those are really good movies. Yeah, those are pretty <clears> good. Uh, what's number three for you? <laughs> My number three is I had brought this up a long time ago because I think it'd be like I think it was. We got an email saying, what would you want to do that's something different that we hadn't done before? And I said, and I don't even know how this would work because we would all of us would be laughing our asses off. Um, I thought we should do a commentary, like a, an episode commentary where you could play with the movie. We should do a commentary of Superbad. I think that'd be so much fun, so hysterical. It pro it'd probably be laughter for like 90% of it. Or, um, or, or even like a Superbad episode in general. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a, that'd be an excellent idea for an episode. Um, you know, that was a definitely a movie that hit all of our teams and it definitely, I don't know if it would, I don't know if I would say it made it, it was prevalent, but it definitely made an impact. And like, that was one of those movies that like any type when it came out, everyone was like, Hey, have you, have you seen this yet? It was just like one of those, like it came out and everyone wanted to see it. So uh, number three, yeah, that's, that'd be super bad. Uh, number two for me is, and this is again right down your your neck of the woods. Like we've done a lot of this director's movies too, and I'm like, how we have not done Interstellar yet? Mm, Interstellar is yeah. number two for me, just because we've done the Dark Knight movies. We've done, uh, you know, I'm sure we're going to be doing Oppenheimer. We've done uh, the Tenet. You know, we've yeah. done a lot of Christopher Nolan flicks. Um, but how interstellar because and the reason I say interstellar in general is just because of the conversation of time and the way he yeah. did that movie, the score. And mm -hmm. that's another movie that could be almost like Shutter Island or uh, something along that lines of, you know, even uh, we've done uh, Inception. Yeah. You know, there's so many what ifs in that conversation. I think interstellar would be phenomenal to talk about. Yeah, Interstellar. I was about to say, yeah, Oppenheimer's coming out this summer, man. It gives us a chance to do it more. Christopher Nolan. Um, I think Dunkirk would be a fun episode. Uh, it's not so much talking about the well. It's not so much talking about like the, his fascination with time, but it'd be like talking about the different aspects of the movie, like the land, air, and uh, sea. Yep. Um, that that'd be a fun conversation as well. So yeah, Interstellar would be a good one. Uh, number two for you. Uh, number two. I'm just shockingly surprised, especially with what came out last year. We've never talked about him. We all grew up with him. It's a film that essentially created a whole uh, movie studio. Uh, number two is Toy Story, at least the first Toy Story. I think that, you know, I thought, I really thought when Lightyear came out last year, we were going to do the Toy Stories, at least maybe, maybe not all of them, but at least the first one. Um, but yeah, toy, uh, like I said, we all grew up with them. It created Pixar, um, a phenomenal franchise. I mean, we could we could really just do the first one and talk about all four films if we wanted to. Um, 
Yeah. Almost like a Toy Story legacy conversation. Yeah. There you go. And I think, you know, honestly, I think that's something we're going to dive into in the future. Instead of, you know, instead of developing week after week and dedicating a whole year or month to a franchise, especially if it's got three or four movies, like, why not talk about the entire legacy of the franchise in one episode? We might do that. We might ch- test that out with Indiana Jones this yeah. summer. So, uh, number one for me, you know, we've had two two monologue openings um, throughout this entire podcast, all f- almost five years of doing this podcast, and these two movies have the uh, they have the, the 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 line, you know, the line in these in the opening and the tagline. I'm like, how have we not talked about Happy Gilmore and Dirty Dancing? <laughs> Um, one, just because I'm a huge Adam Sandler fan and I love Adam Sandler. I could talk about him all day long. So like, why has happy Gilmore never been talked about? And then dirty dancing is just Patrick Swayze. It's, it's this music. It's, it's just a fun movie. So I got a tie for number one, but it'd be those two. Yeah. We could have done a whole month of Patrick Swayze. Cause we did, uh, ghosts. We did, uh, Donnie Darko and we could have done dirty dancing. Just yep. made it a whole Patrick Swayze month. <laughs> That'd be funny. You might have gave, uh, you might have given birth to something there. No, <laughs> we already done. T- well, we could do uh, we could do uh, Roadhouse dancing. We could do Roadhouse. We could do. Um, I'm sure there's another one that I'm thinking. Oh yeah, thinking he, of. he's done a lot. Yeah. Uh, my number one is a film that has been pushed several different times, and it's pissing me off to the point where I hope we get to do it this yes. year, just because we. I know all of us like this movie, and I, it just it, it it when we when we have the idea of doing it, it just gets it, it gets the unlucky, um, fortunate habit of being pushed for something else. Uh, Johnny, you son of a bitch. Uh, my number one is Public Enemies. I hope eventually we get to talk about that movie. It has been pushed twice. Ed, do you have any uh, movies that you wish that you surprised we had done yet? Uh, if you have five of them, just name them, or if you just have a few. Rapid fire through them. So, basically, you know, uh, Harry Potter and the uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, uh, Four Brothers, that one's a great one. Uh, Public Enemies is another one, actually, that I think is stupid. This, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, pretty much after that, uh, it kind of almost gets lost in the sauce on some of the movies that we haven't haven't done. Um it's like I'm pretty sure we did Jaws. We did Jaws. We did yeah. Jaws. You yeah. know, and that was one that I was just like, dude, I can't remember. And yeah, but but uh there's kind of a lot of different ones. So yeah. Something 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 I hope we talk about this year, just because it's celebrating 20 years, is the first Pirates of the Caribbean. I think that'd be a fun conversation. <clears throat> that is, I think that is going to be a July episode. So finally, got to pay respects to the man that you know. He's, he's having a comeback, man. He just went to Kansas weekend and had a seven seven minute standing ovation. So what was he hey, doing? Got a standing ovation. He's playing like King Louis the Whale, um, King yeah. Louis the fifth or something like that it's like a french movie but he's they say he's very very good in it so hmm. we'll see interesting killer killers of the flower moon also premiered at cans and got like a seven minute standard ovation as well so three and a half girthy hours so get three ready so minutes. seven minutes good but, but like 20 minutes where it's at yeah essentially wow well, guys, it is time. Let's move on. We are here to talk about Sicario. Um, you know, way back when, and when this podcast first started, uh, Sicario 2, Day of the Saldana was out, and it hit Blu-ray, and me and Edward had a conversation about that movie uh, in 2018. So why not revisit the original and have a fun conversation about how great this movie is? Um Sicario debuted August, October 2nd, 2015. IMDb has a rating of 7.6. Rotten Tomatoes at 92%. The Metascore is at 82%, while the Google users like it at 86%. 
the budget was about $30 million, and it grossed over $85 million at the box office. After an idealistic FBI agent is enlisted by a government task force to aid in the escalating war against drugs at the border area between U.S. and Mexico. Starring Emily Blunt, Josh Brolin, Benicio Del Toro, John Berthenthal, Victor Garber, Daniel Kalua, written by Taylor Sheridan, and directed by Dennis Villanueva. Uh, Zach, we will start with you. Did you get to see this movie in the theater? And if so, what was it like when it was over? And then what was it like revisiting it for this podcast? Um, yeah, saw this at the saw this in the theater. Actually, remember the theater uh, when saw it Penn Square Mall, AMC. Um, walking out of it, I was just just blown away by it. I thought it was just an incredibly well done movie. Uh, we'll get into the specifics here in a little bit, but it's just um, just a phenomenal film. And then on this rewatch, I hadn't seen it maybe since seeing before seeing the second one, whenever the second one came out, 2018, I think. Um, and it, I just had the same feelings all over again. It was just brutal, terrifying, tense. Um, all the words that you want you want in a movie that is just like, yeah, I know this is real, but damn, <laughs> they really put you in it, and it 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 just goes full throttle. I didn't see this movie in theaters, unfortunately, uh, but I did get the. I bought it brand new on Blu-ray after hearing the buzz. Watched it. Um, if I had to describe it after seeing it for the first time, it'd be phenomenal. And after rewatching it yesterday, I've only seen this movie three times: when it first came out, 2018, before the second one, and then just now. And if I had to, uh, I, I would say uh, I'd just use the same word: phenomenal. Ed, what about you? Is this a first-time watch? It is. Man, uh, I did not actually view it uh, when we did Day of the Soldado. Um, so you saw to... you saw Day of Soldado before Sicario. Correct. Uh, yeah, did it for the episode. Hadn't heard of either one of them before then, and yeah. So this is the first time I've seen it this this week. Awesome. Uh... Zach, what did you think uh, going into the movie? You know, you have the the raid scene where the uh, they discover the bodies, and Emily Blunt is uh, not so blunt. Put on away. Yeah. Um, before going into it, I distinctly remember, and this is like old guy talk for a second. Um, back in the day, uh, when you know when papers actually had like the movie reviews in them, and they talked about it and everything, they had one for Sicario, and the the tagline for it was. Uh, Sicario does for drug cartels what Jaws did for sharks. I was like, damn. All right, that's a pretty good, pretty powerful comparison. And yeah, that opening sequence of the raid and Emily Blunt almost getting blown through the wall. And it's almost like a when Daniel Kaluuya kind of like sees the whole, like notices something in the wall and it just kind of zooms in close and close and close by the time that they start ripping up the walls. And there's like 50 dead corpses lining up against the whole house of the wall. It's just that that sets the tone for the rest of the movie. And it's, it's really well done. The cinematography is outstanding. We'll talk about that as we go. And there's just a real, this, this is more of like an action thriller, but that scene is almost like horrific. It's almost like a horror movie almost. Uh, you know, I, I almost put this on a near perfect movie almost, but the, the one, you know, the one thing I had, trouble with the second time around was Emily Blunt's character really annoyed me. And especially once she found out what Josh Brolin and Del Toro wanted to do, like it, she just, she, I felt like she was a, she was a liability from the moment they brought her in. I, I, some, I'm like half and half agree with you because it's like, obviously she's our character. Our, our eyes through this entire situation, this this world, this uh, the drug war that has been going on for years and years and years. Um, I I like how she's very much she's the good cop that wants to go by the rules. These are there's regulations. There's all this and that. But on the on the other side side of the coin, Josh Bowen's character and Benicio del Toro. They have to fight fire with fire, exactly. essentially. And she can't, 
she can't get on board because they're breaking the regulations, they're breaking the rules. But it's just like, but it's like it, you know, it, it annoys you so much though because you're like, you're like, you're like, but yeah, but <sighs> yeah, but Benicio del Toro had an incredible line of, um, nothing will make sense to your American American ears, and you're gonna yeah. doubt everything that we do, but you're gonna, it's gonna make sense to you once once it gets going. I don't even think it's a necessary like, uh, necessarily like a. Uh, an American thing or anything like that. I think it's more of an emotional thing because a lot of people think that, oh, man, I can I can hand... Mm, there's a difference when you're made to kill somebody. When No, seriously. No, like, no, I, I almost thought you were going to say it's a female thing. <laughs> no, not at all. This is just a human thing. Male, female, I, I don't care. Older, younger, it doesn't matter. And this is what, like, mm. the, the, the Call of Duty... And sorry, don't I'm not trying to offend nobody out there who plays COD. Oh, but man. there's a difference between doing it on a video game and in real life. Personally, never have had to take a life. I don't want to. I, I'm good with that. But you got to think. You know, within the first day, she had to take a life. She got shot at, got shot, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, didn't – if I'm not mistaken, the first day – uh, she got turned on. Do you? I almost wish, like, you know, I almost felt like her character should have. I know it seems like she went through a lot in this movie. You know, uh, John Burtonsall's character almost, uh, almost got her, but I feel like she should have went through a little bit more shit before she just started pointing fingers and and proclaiming. Um, let me get their character's name right, but before just proclaiming that, uh. Matt and uh, Toro were just doing dirty work, like you know, Alejandro. Yeah, yeah, Alejandro. Like you should have been. Well, I, I think if you have that experience, the, the the sequence on the border crossing where they take the guy from one from point A to point B, and then they get stuck in traffic and all hell literally breaks loose. I think, you know, she really he was Alejandro gave her one super wall, stay in the car. You know, just watch her back, but stay in the car. And, you know, she couldn't even do that. But, like, I get, you know, even he said, even Alejandro says, don't trust the state police because you don't know if they're corrupt or not. So it's kind of a damn if you do, damn if you don't. It's a catch-22 in all facets, for that matter, just because you you could die sitting there, you could die <laughs> not sitting there, you know. So it, it's – exactly, man. It's – and you know, I, I wanted to sit and usually for all the movies I do, I'll write notes and I'll pay attention. Um, but this time watching this movie, I was fascinated both times I watched. I watched it last night and I watched it like a few hours ago. I was so fascinated. I didn't take a single note because I was even though I've seen this movie before, I was like, man, I don't want to miss anything. I'm at the edge of my seat. The score of this movie almost felt like I was watching a horror movie. Oh, it's beautiful. And then the cinematography felt like I was watching. Felt like I was watching Yellowstone. That, felt yeah. like I was watching Yellowstone and Hell or High Water in the same kind of distance. And I just was like, that that is like uh, cinematography at its best. And I mean the. Um... I mean, the cinematography, Roger Deakins, man, 1917, Skyfall, Blade yeah. Runner, looks Dune, looks beautiful. Yeah. I think that the three aspects of this movie, I, the performance are great. We'll talk about them here. I, I know we have trouble with Emily Blunt's character, but her performance is really good in this. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Great performance. Benicio Del Toro is phenomenal. You really, it, they do a really good job of like hiding the character behind a, 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 a drape and you don't really don't know if he's good bad what's he doing um he's, he's almost like a bounty hunter yeah and i like how josh Mullen's mad is kind of like the america the guy that is just like you know he you know what he wants he's gonna go after it but i think the three things in this movie that just make this film like what you said johnny a masterpiece is uh, cinematography the writing taylor sheridan beautiful and the score those three things just really just it, the three aspects of this what makes this movie so strong. And what's funny is it was nominated for Best Achievement in Sound, Best Achievement in Music, Motion Picture Score, and then Best yeah. Cinematography. 
Yep. Um, but you know what? I want to talk about how cool, calm, and collected both Matt was and um, damn it, I keep forgetting his name. Alejandro. Both, both Matt and Alejandro, because they've been in the game for a while. They know who and what they're after. Alejandro has lost so much, but yet they're both just so cool to where I love how when they bring in Kate, you know, Emily Blunt, she's just so on edge, so by the book. But it's just, mm-hmm. I love how it just plays back between the three, the entire movie. And the scene that sticks out with me is when uh, she points the gun at Alejandro. And he's like, yeah. He yeah, puts her yeah. in her place. Yeah. Ed, Ed, what about you? You know, me and you talked about the second one a few years ago. What was it like with, with this one? Did you enjoy the three characters in this one? Matt and... Alejandro's in the second one, but not Kate. Um, Benicio del Toro, I liked a little bit more. Um, Kate, I think, was a good uh, addition. Well, maybe not addition, but a good uh, part in this. And the reason I'm saying that is just because she embodies kind of a human humane uh, side to the movie you know it's more of a realistic possible real person to this it's more of a just a humane side man i mean honestly so kate i mean i know we don't do this but if i pick if i had to pick a a favorite character i'd probably go with kate in this one just she's know. she's she's the light in all the darkness because it's just by the time you get to the point by the time you get to the the uh, the night vision scene where they're going through the tunnels underground mm. at that point all hell could break loose you don't know who's gonna die the the, the, the intensity is so t- you, you could cut it with a knife it's just you don't know what's gonna happen and you kind of just see her break throughout the entire film yeah slowly but surely you know I mean. I mean, when when we get to the John Bernthal thing, John Bernthal scene, and you think he's just a nice guy that she meets in a bar, and it turns out he has one of the little uh, wristbands that carry like the money. He's a basically a a a money pusher or a drug pusher, whatever you want to say. It basically tries to kill him, and he she has like after the situation ends, she kind of has like the dark joke of like I almost had sex with my assassin, and Benicio del Toro is like no. He would have. He wouldn't have killed you. He just wanted to know. He would want to know what what you were doing with us. So, what do you guys think of the Sylvia the Silvio story going back and forth? You know, his son always trying to wake him up to go play soccer. What do you guys think of that aspect of the film? Because it kind of ties into the ending of how real shit gets. Yeah, I remember initially saying like, "What?" Like, what I remember thinking to, to myself, anything? exactly, and then. Like you said, Johnny, it ties into the actual climax of the movie. I like how I like how it betrays Sil- Silvio. I, I guess that's his name. Betrays him as he. I think he is the living father. He just he's just trying to get put food on the table, but unfortunately, he got caught up in the whole mess of the situation, and he was a casualty at the end of the day because of this, because of his choices. I guess you would say. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, not, it wasn't necessarily painting him as a bad person. It was painting what he did as a bad thing. Yeah. It's almost like how, you know, we don't have to go into the political nature of this, but like it, the, the, the essentially like the, um, the drug cartels kind of like a tree and how like all the, the, the roots and the, uh, vines and everything, they just spread out and everything it touches, it just absorbs and whatever it touches, you're now part of that, whether you yeah. want to be or not. That's, so. a, that's a good way to put it. And, you know, when you put it like that, it's always the, inno- it's the innocent who, like, always suffer, you know. Yeah he, yeah, he he ended up losing his life, but his wife, his kid, they're always going to have to grow up without a husband, without a father. So, Man, you want to talk about brutality in this? Whenever uh, Alejandro gone ahead and came through the dinner scene. Oh, the ending? Oh, my God. Well, yeah, but... Oh my God, that was what is? Because I know it's been a minute since we've seen the second one, and I yeah. can't remember if Alejandro is this 
quiet and sadistic in the second one. I can't really remember. And that's the way. That's what I was wanting to. That's I didn't know either because I was just like I don't I don't remember him being this. It made, it, it, it made me want to revisit the second one, so I think I'm going to do that this week. <laughs> it did me as well. Um, but, I mean, you know, you don't even see him shoot the sons and the wife. Uh, but when so he, it's already too late, then they're already he, down. When he gets them, though, it's kind of like, then, whoa, did he really just kill those kids? Did he yeah, really just do an Edward? No. <laughs> Because literally, you know, you've got them all just eating dinner and the father goes to him and is like, eat, eat, you know, like, don't worry about this. He's after me, not y'all. And in his head, he's like, I'm after everybody. I don't, I don't, I don't care. You, you are part of what took everything from me. So yeah, I'm going to take everything from you, leave you alive for a few minutes, like a minute and then take you. Because that's my oh. final revenge, basically. It was crazy. Oh, are you talking about the dinner the dinner scene? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Guys, why do you think successful movies like this don't happen more often? I mean, it's almost kind of like how we talked about last week with Christian movies and Passion of the Christ. But, like, you know, Zach, they've, they've put out um, drug cartel movies before in the past. Like, you know, something that comes to mind is, like, Savages um, with John Travolta, I think. Traffic, traffic. You know, there's other movies like that, but they're not ex- successful. And honestly, looking at it, Sicario wasn't very successful either. I mean, it didn't even do a hundred million dollars. But right. look, looking back at it, excuse my language, but damn, this is a good movie. Yeah, I, I think <clears throat> it's almost a touchy subject. It is. I mean, I'm looking at like drug cartel movies. Like Sicario is the number one that comes up. So, Savages is number two. Um, Scarface, The Last Stand, uh, Miami Vice, Peppermint, Snitch, The Mule with Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Hey, The Mule's not that bad. No, The Mule's mule's actually pretty good. Um, I think... I think because of the the intensity of the subject matter and just, like, the, the actual tone in the thematic material it's so hard to create a realistic version of these of this store of the situation without it being like stereotypical if that makes sense i know there's a lot of you know mexico did get they didn't ban this movie but they got pissed off that you know the excessive violence of what like when they go to juarez and you see the bodies hanging from the bridges but it's like no i mean that We've seen pictures of that. That is that is a real thing that can happen. So I mean, it, it's not out of the realm. It's not out of the realm of possibility, right? I, but I think they just didn't want people to think of that Mexico. That's all Mexico's known for. That, yeah, that's that. You know, that's what we know Mexico for is death and violence. Um, uh, I I know for a uh, beer, good food, and a good time. Hey yo, and, and and excessive Blu-rays. Yeah. Um. Another thing I wanted to touch on uh, with Sicario was like Josh Brolin. Yeah, here's somebody that we haven't really got to talk much about since Endgame, but what a span this guy had from 2015 to about 2019, 2020. You know, looking back at this movie, going all the way back to you know one of his first movies with the Goonies. What what's the kind of legacy that you think Josh Brolin will have? You know, of course, his dad, you know, the, the famous uh, um, James Brolin, late actor as well. Actually, I don't know if he's late. I think he's still alive. Um, mm-hmm. But, man, has Josh Brolin not, not only surpassed his dad, but he has ran away with the flag. Like, And, and it's so amazing because Josh Brolin almost just did this almost like in the last 15 years. Let me... Okay, so just starting from 2007, I mean, obviously Goonies was his main, the main thing that got him recognized. He did uh, just things here and there. Hollow Man, you remember that with Kevin Kevin Bacon was in 2000, and he really didn't do anything well known until 2007. 2007, he had Grindhouse in the Valley of Ella, which was Tommy Lee Jones and uh, Charlie Theron, No Country for Old Men, American Gangster, and then from there it's W Milk. 
uh, Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps, True Grit, Men in Black 3, Gangster Squad. In 2014, he had Guardians of the Galaxy, Sin City 2, Inherent Vice. And then, okay, so you said 2015. Listen to this. Just 2015 alone, Avengers, Age of Ultron, he had like a little small cameo as Thanos, Sicario, and Everest. Then 2016, he had the Coen Brothers movie Hell Caesar, which I've actually never seen, but I've heard good things about it. 2017, he had Only the Brave. All right, so 2018, he had Infinity War, Deadpool 2, Sicario, Day of the Soldado. And then he kind of had a little break. In 2021, he had Dune, and then later this year, he'll be in Dune Part 2. So that's that's a damn impressive filmography. I mean, t- truth be known. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like like I said, going back at it, he is a uh, – the movie may not be good, but – his role that he's in in most of those movies, he he stands alone. Yeah. Um, you know, Men in Black Three wasn't the best of movie, but when he's in this, every scene he's in, he's phenomenal. You know, yeah, I agree. Um, same thing with Everest may not be the the best of movie, but man, Josh Brolin, Josh Brolin can just act. And you know, after watching this movie and and just how cool and calm and collected he is, he is slowly, I think, becoming. Maybe one of the top three underrated actors of all time, maybe. Yeah, because... he he rem- he has a lot of Kurt Russell in him, or it's just like, yeah, he seems like a cool dude. I I watch anything that he's in, almost. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, he almost feels like he could be, and I know they're they're far different in age, but he feels like he could be like a Tommy Lee Jones esque character. Yeah. Not just because, haha, you know, not funny, haha, because he was in Men in Black Three, but just because, God damn, look at that body, Edward. But just, <laughs> but just because. <laughs> man, that turn off. That man, that just turned left and wasn't. I didn't even expect that to happen at all. What's that? Uh, great conversation about James Brolin. You for you missed it, or Josh uh, Brolin? Um, let's say who. But no, that's the fuck. <laughs> I can only imagine between you two. That's another movie I'm surprised we haven't we haven't talked about is the Goonies. Yeah, that's true. That is another one. Um, but man, um, this movie, shuffle. this movie is just so different, back and forth on so many levels of how serious it is. There's, there's, it's not a fast paced movie, but it also, it's weird. It's, it's, this is a good thing. Let me put it this way it's not a fast paced movie, but it doesn't give you time to breathe, if that makes sense. Yeah. Which well, I kind of, I, I kind of disagree. I think it is fast paced because once you get into like, you know, the opening raid, the border crossing scene, the night vision, the time to meet God dinner sequence scene, it, by the time you, by the time you really realize that the movie is almost over, by the time you get to Alejandro and Kate's final conversation of her, him trying to get her to sign that piece of paper, and basically, which is a good summary. And I like, I was thinking, Ed, you'll probably agree with her with what he was saying. It was just like, Kate, you won't survive. This is Land of Wolves. You'll die. So just, just leave now. It, it, I think it's more just him saying, "Hey, look." I don't think you can handle this. You need to get out while you can, because once you get in too deep, you will you will die. Well, I, I don't think it's just you're just gonna die. I don't think it's like that. I think it's more him kind of looking out for her safety as well as her moral being, because I don't think he was meaning it as in you're fucking weak. So you need to go. It's more just like you aren't in this because you're just. He's like, I'm. I'm a mercenary. (laughs) I kill people. (laughs) Yeah, you're trying to be a cop that helps people out. It's not going to go good for you. You're going to get stripped of almost any and everything that you are. Get out while you can. (laughs) Kind of thing. Yeah, that's true. Because I can only imagine going through something like that something something that i i, I did notice and i noticed this with denis villeneuve's all, all his different movies is what i call the um 
the wide shot storytelling where like there's a scene where they get on the plane and like it's a wide shot of the mountains and the landscape and you see a little tiny shadow just going it's almost kind of like a metaphor for like we're alone going into this he does it the wide shot storytelling he does it in this he does it in arrival he does it in blade runner 2049 he does it in dune i think that's such a great that's a great uh technique to have as a director where you can say so much without saying anything essentially with those type of scenes so um speaking of one of the final scenes of the movie which is going to lead into uh my favorite scene is going to be the scene where he sets her down and says i wouldn't stand on a balcony anytime soon kate (laughs) and uh, he pretty much you know has her sign what she needs to sign and he goes away but she draws the gun on him and he turns back around and, you know, it's almost like that, that's the last thing you want to do right now, lady. Um, but that's my favorite scene. And I want to touch on it real quick. What do you guys think about that ending? I don't even think, I don't even think it has anything to do with, um, you're not going to, yeah, you're not going to do it. I think it has, I think it just proves, um, it proves Alejandro's point is that, in this in this job, you're gonna do anything, to, not only to survive, but to, to take care of the job. And she couldn't even pull the trigger on him. And to me, I think that was just his confirmation of like, yeah, you don't you don't belong in this world, so just go home. Um, I would say, and I would say, the scene after that, the actual final scene of the movie is at the soccer game. The families are all standing around watching the kids, and you just hear gunshots in the in the background, and they just go back to what they're doing. I think that I think that is like so powerful. Just like, yeah, another day another in the day. life, essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Zach, what about you? What's your favorite scene? Um, there's a lot. I mean, there is a freaking a lot in this movie. I, the scene that really like put me on edge was I don't know Ed if you said this was your favorite scene. I had to get up. I wasn't here on that part. But just the dinner scene when he says "Time to meet God" and he assassinates that, that uh, cartel's leader's family. And he just leans back in his chair, exhales, and says, I'll go ahead. I'll let you finish your meal before I kill you. That is just, I think that is, like, not only powerful, but just the most tense scene in the whole movie. I'd agree. It is my favorite scene as well. Um, Because, yeah, it's a a crazy scene. He gets revenge as well as just... I don't know. It's just got a lot of powerful meaning behind it. And I like how they, they slowly peeled back Alejandro's backstory. It just, they didn't give it to you all at once. And essentially he is an assassin for hire. He will take any job, essentially, especially the ones that uh, led to the death of his family. Yeah. I guess that was, that was one of them. Um, and the, and, and the dark humor of that scene after he kills his family, he kind of, the, obviously the guy is in great shock and, you know, he's, you know he's about to die, but I think there's a scene where it's just like it would have been a it would have been a cheesy piece of dialogue, but I think it would have been kind of cool to, for him to say, you know, it wasn't in front of your fam- it wasn't in front of your family. They're not going to see it. So, uh, so this is it. Star rating, another star rating, another movie come to an end. Uh, I'll kick us off short and sweet. Sicario gets a nine for me. Zach. Uh, I'm gonna go one step higher, ten. I think it's a. I, I really do think this is a perfect movie. I was I'm never bored through it. It's just so intense. Great performances. It's great. It's just great filmmaking. Like I said, cinematography, screenplay, and score. Um, that does a lot. That can do a lot, a lot for a movie. And this desk it definitely has it. And I think I don't know if it's one of the top ten films of the century of the last decade, but it's definitely a top ten of 2015. So, what about you, Ed? I'd have to give it a nine as well. Um, it hits on a lot of different levels. It has a lot of different, uh, a lot of different scopes to it, for that matter. You know, um, family-wise, it's you know got the humane-wise, it's got the cold-hearted assassin, you know, scope as well. You know, it's kind of a, a layered story, for that matter. Three stories in one, essentially. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man. Uh, so, I mean, it's like after she gets blown up, 
uh, with Kate, you know, taking the shower, you know, and basically rinsing off blood. And at first you're like, is that her blood? Is that blood from, you know, somebody her else. head or yeah. forehead or something like that? And you find out it's yeah. blood from her head. And it's just like, well, you're in it now. <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like a, in a weird way, it's almost like a rebirth for that character because she is just so um, driven to get, you know, these cartel members and all this and that. And there's a great scene where he's actually, where she, where she's questioning her superior and saying, you know, what they're doing is illegal. You know this, right? But then her commander or her uh, senior officer is like, yeah, but how much what they do compared to what you do on the streets, what, I mean, you really think that what you get done on the streets is, is anything compared to what they can do? And she even admits it. No, it isn't. Hmm. What'd you guys, what'd you guys think of, um, and you know, this has been a long time ago, but what'd you guys think about day of Soldado? I remember really liking that movie. I haven't seen it since the theater, but I remember, I remember it being a worthy sequel from, from, from what I remember about it. I thought it was, I thought it was real good. Honestly. Um, a lot of intense action in it, so yeah. Yeah. Now I don't know if you guys know this, but there is, um, there is a third Sicario film in the works. As a, as of February of last year, um, it's still in development. It, it's named Sicario. It's called Sicario Capos. C A P O S. It doesn't have a release date or anything, so we'll we'll definitely see um, what happens with that. Oh yeah. Alright guys, and next week it is our annual Memorial Day episode. Next week we're talking all quiet on the Western Front. Uh, it is our fifth annual Memorial Day episode. Uh, I don't know who's joining me, and I don't know what... It, it's going to drop next Monday for sure. Uh, I know me and Ed will be there for sure. Um, but uh, next week, guys, should be a fun episode. Uh, unless there's anything else you guys need to add, I think that puts a nail in the coffin on Sakari, and we'll see you next week. So later next week, guys, brand new episode, Memorial Day 2023, right here on the cinnamon movie podcast.